guys, welcome back to another episode of Control Alt Career. In this podcast, I interview people who have taken a leap of faith and pursued an alternative career path in Asia. I'm your host, Jennifer Ong, and today I'm super happy to have Dinesh join us. Dinesh Balasingham is the Chief Business Officer at Chope. And for those of you who aren't familiar, Chope is an online restaurant booking platform, a bit like Open Table in the US. And while Chope started off in Singapore, they have in the last couple of years expanded into Hong Kong, China, Indonesia, and Thailand. Dinesh was one of the founding members, and what's super interesting is that although he had an offer to go to NYU after high school, he never actually went. He joined Chope in 2011 and has been with them ever since. And his dedication has certainly paid off. He has recently been listed as one of Forbes 30 Under 30 for his work with Chope. Thanks so much, Dinesh, for your time and for joining me today. Yeah, it's my pleasure. So I guess first question for you. Um, we were just chatting before this interview and you were talking about how your parents aren't surprised with a lot of your career decisions and how it really started from junior college, which is the last two years of high school in the U.S. Maybe tell us a little bit more about that and how you were super set on going to a specific school. Yeah, I, you know, um, in junior college, my results weren't good enough. I was posted to some, another school. And for the first three months, which is that's kind of how it works here, you do your prelim examinations, you get posted for the first three months to a specific school, and then when the, the real examination results come out, and then you can decide where you want to go. So in, in that case, I was just like, oh... Yeah, I'm not going. <laughs> my parents were like, what? what do you mean you're not going? I said, well, it's the first three months. We still have this. You know, I'm just very set on that school. So during that first three months, I never went to the school I was posted to, which you could do if you wanted. Like, n- not many people did that, but that's what you could do. And I ended up just going to the school I wanted and spending time with my friends there when <laughs> they were actually going to school. So I'll go meet them during their breaks. I was a theater kid, so I went to audition for the theater program there, hoping that in three months, if I needed to appeal at least they saw me they saw my work and they knew uh, what was happening so it was just very much in that specific case I, I I knew what I wanted and so I think my parents as all parents want the best for you or they want you to have a, a good like, backup plan so they were just like no go to school just make sure just in case I was like no no no, no I want to do this so after a while I think they just got used to to it and they they felt that if I was passionate enough about that and I loved it so much they would kind of give in so that was like your first foray into doing something for yourself that was like different from what your other peers Maybe were perhaps, doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, perhaps. Okay, so after you graduated from junior college, tell me a little bit about how you got started with Chope. Because I know that you actually dis- decided not to go to NYU. Okay, so how, how it was is that in Singapore, obviously, you have to go to national service. So right after junior college, I went to the army to serve. Uh, during that time, I think I've always wanted to uh, study and live overseas. I think it's just one of those things that it was pushing yourself to be a little bit more independent. And then, of course, New York was like this amazing city, which is also thriving when it comes to you know arts and culture. So that's something I loved. I knew a, a couple of friends who were going as well. So that was another reason why I was you know set on that. So when I was in the army... I decided like, okay, NYU was going to be the school. So I, I actually went to New York for the first time in 2009. I went to audition at Tisch, so theater school in New York. And I think during that time, my parents were a little bit worried only because in Singapore, you know, 
we have a theater scene, but it's not something that I don't think many people can make a very long-lasting career from. There are a few people who manage to do it, but other than that, it's just more of something that you do while pursuing other things as well. So I think they were just a little bit worried to say like, okay, if there's a certain lifestyle that you want, you know, and I, I grew up very fortunate. We had a, a comfortable life. So, you know, they, they knew that with a certain kind of lifestyle, then you might want to have like backup plans for that. So I had a conversation with them and, you know, they said, you know, why not? The great thing about NYU is that you could, you know, major in something and there's so many different things that you could explore while you were there. So we said, okay, why not try to do business instead? So I took a gap year while trying to figure that out and trying to reapply. And when I was there, I said, well, if I'm going to business school, I should, I'm a very hands-on kind of guy. So I thought, okay, I'm going to do something related that I would hate learning about. <laughs> because when it came to like JC, there are certain subjects that I love, like literature and stuff like that. But there was like econs, which was painful for me. So, and I didn't do too great at the end of the day. So yeah, so I said, let me do something that I, I maybe would struggle with just in, in theory when I went there. So it was roughly around finance. So I had applied to work in the finance department under Starwood in a St. Regis hotel, just for like a part-time sort of thing, picking up some skills. So when I was there, I was doing like a whole bunch of things. I met this girl named Chloe and she was, I think, in her last two, three months at the hotel. But we hit it off and we started hanging out as friends. And it was during that time when she was much older than me. At that point, I was 21 and she was like seven, eight years older than me. And she had gone to college in the States. You know, she was in USC. She had come back and she was telling me about this thing. I think this was like early 2011, where she was saying like, oh, okay, you know, a friend of mine had introduced me to this other guy because we both had the same idea of bringing like an open table type concept to Singapore because... Singaporeans were so passionate about our food, but and there was st- and, and you know we were progressing in terms of technology in terms you could book you know of course like movie tickets or airline tickets or all those kind of things, but you couldn't really book restaurants online. It was just very much pick up the phone and call or or write an email. They had the idea and they were saying, okay, that's something we wanted to do. And she was kind of running by some thoughts about, around me. And I met uh, Arif, who is our CEO and someone I work with and have been working with for such a long time. It's fantastic, super sharp, super smart guy. And uh, they both were going to do this thing. And so she talked to me and she's like, hey, you know, because she kept running ideas by me. Why not, you know, you join for a little bit before you go to college? Because 2011 was the year I was supposed to go. And I was waiting for a results and stuff like that as well. And, and so I said, oh, sure. You know, uh, I was just leaving Starwood anyway. And I said, OK, let's do it. So I joined like from pretty much day two, day three, when they were coming up with this. And I, I just felt so much joy. Like, in a, it, it was difficult at first because you're trying to, to, to think about all these things. You're learning these systems. You're, it was my first time throwing myself into something like this. And I was just surrounded by, I think, the first f- five people that were there. Arif had gone to King's College for Law. He had an undergraduate, and he went to Stanford for business school. Chloe had gone to USC. Vivian, who was there, who was doing both product and marketing, she had gone to Wellesley, and she had gone to Harvard Business School. So I, ha- I was like, oh, I'm, <laughs> like, I'm the youngest one here. I'm surrounded by these four amazing, extremely accomplished individuals who all had, Arif had worked in uh, private equity, Vivian had worked at Goldman Sachs, like all these amazing places with these amazing experiences. 
what better way to learn than from here? And I think there was so much that I was learning both from them and being on the job that I was just like, maybe I'm going to hold off college for another year because I felt great being part of something. And yeah, so that's kind of how it is. I think they all saw me as starting out and this was going to be a short-term thing for me. I was just going to help them, you know, be an ideas guy or, you know, be the, the one on the ground executing with them as they came up with all these things. So yeah, and then it, it just turned to like a year. And then I was after that first year, we had a conversation and I was just really loving what we were doing here. So I think I'm going to pass. And I think that was when my parents, again, were a little bit worried. It wasn't like they were trying to force me. But during the first year, I remember when my friends would come back to visit from the UK or the US, they would be, hey, you know, tell Dinesh to go to college. Because, you know, in Singapore, it's, it's just important. That's the truth of the matter, right? Whether you want it or not, it's, it's not whether they felt... Education is important, but the way you got to things and the way you succeeded in Singapore, there was a lot of emphasis on the paper qualification. So, you know, they just felt like it was important and that's why they wanted me to have it. But I think... You know, the first kind of like six months a year, I would have sometimes over dinner, they'd be like, ah, so what's the plan? You know, but I think when things started <clears throat> like taking off a little bit and they just saw how invested and how happy I was and they felt like, okay, it feels like he is in the place he wants to be and it was secure. I think that's when they were just like, okay, just go do it like 110, 120%. And they supported me fully throughout. Uh, that whole thing. But the weird thing about with Chope was not that I knew exactly what I wanted from the beginning when Chloe came to me with the idea and saying, hey, it was really, really more accidental. I was like, okay, that that sounds cool. That sounds like a good idea. I did not overthink it. I did not at that point think like, okay, I'm going to put off college and this is going to be this and it's going to be this big and this is how I want it to be in how many years. Like none of that. So... That's kind of how it was. That's super interesting. You mentioned a little bit about how your parents still were like, oh, maybe you should go to go back to school at some point. Mm. How did you ultimately convince them? Right. Well, the first thing is something you should know about my parents. Both of them never really. And I know back then it was less traditional to go to college or anything like that. But to pursue higher education, both of them never really did that. So once they were done with, you know, secondary school, they started working immediately. My dad is also somewhat of an entrepreneur himself you know he took accounting classes on the side he became an accountant and then he started building a business around aviation later on and so it and and my mom she worked at a bank for about 30 years Uh, so they kind of didn't have like set paths or they, they they knew that higher education was important but they fell into things they love or they pursued things that they enjoyed and I think that's something that they saw has a lot of meaning to it. So that's one thing that was important to know is while they wanted me to have a safety net to make sure that I could succeed, that was something that was they knew was important. So I think that's why they were a little bit open to that. But in terms of what advice I would give is, I think just talking about it, I talked a lot to them about what it was that drove me to want to continue, why I felt so passionate about it, what I was learning. And I think just sharing that, and I think people can see that. And I think the other part is if you're doing something, whether it's going well or going badly, you you need to show some progress, right? And I think when my parents were seeing, we launched the first site with nine restaurants in June, and then we kept building. So when they saw there was something there, they saw there was a product there, they saw that these were things that we were doing, and then we got our first round of like, you know, investment. And so they saw things picking up they saw like that the work was paying off I think 
that's when people would be like, no, I'm not going to like pull the cl- plug or force you out of it. It's more like, okay, he's going to learn something from this, whether it goes really well or it just explodes in your face, you know. But I, yeah, but I, I do want to say that I was fortunate to have parents that I knew that the truth of the matter is if I lost all my money doing this or I could still go back to them and being like, hey, could I, you know, give me an allowance or something. And I don't think everybody is as fortunate as that. So I think that's important to say because I don't want to make people think like, oh, it's just easy. It's not. Yeah. And I was fortunate because of that. And on the topic of financial security, was that something that they Mm. ever worried about you? Yeah, I think the whole idea of pursuing education was because first I could explore more of what was out there. But I think the primary reason was financial security was to say that because Singapore is the way it is, where paper qualification is something that people deem so important. If I wanted to get a good paying job and I wanted to have some sort of career path, having that was important. And it was the whole you know, basis of that, I believe, was financial security. So, yeah, f- you know, at, at the beginning, we were like not getting paid or getting paid like peanuts. So that was like difficult. But as a lot of us Asians do uh, in Asia, when you're that age, you're still living with your parents. So <laughs> that was like helpful. And I think as, as things started going well, they said like, okay, maybe that's really something here. And I could leverage on that, uh, on the work that I was doing. And even if it didn't do well, I would go, they knew, they could see that I was like passionate enough and I was really working at something. So they knew that whether or not this failed or this succeeded, I would go out and do that with something else too. So kind of what I'm hearing is like the passion really came across and the learning yeah. really came across. So then your parents felt comfortable. They were like, even if this completely blows up and you know nothing comes out of it, you would be able to take all the learning that you got here and be able yeah. to apply it in the future. So that for them gave and them it, some comfort. Correct. Correct. And, and it helped that they understood what I was trying to do. I think sometimes the mistake that I hear is a lot of people say like, oh, I want to do this, but they don't really tell their parents or they don't really talk to people about what it is. And I think now with so much technology and so much advancement on that front, it's easy for us to forget that our parents weren't raised at a time like that. They may not be familiar with that. So they may not be worried because they don't understand how actually it could be very viable. So just talking through the idea and making them understand that and showing them like this is what other people have done and have been successful with, I think will give them peace of mind. Yeah. Okay. So when you first joined Chope, you were like, okay, I'm going to try this out. Uh, mm-hmm. Do it for a couple months and then like I'm going to go back to, to school. And then it turned into a year, two years, and then now 10 years, almost 10 years. Yeah. And it, like during this journey, did you ever consider at any point going back to university? No, <laughs> I think. OK, wait, I, I will say I, and, I'll, and, I'll, and, I'll, and I'll explain the, the points that I felt that I. OK, yes, I would love to was more because I had like an uh, insane amount of FOMO seeing all my friends like online on social media, doing all these amazing things, living by themselves, experiencing all these things. But then I also had to remind myself that on their side, they were coming back and I was doing all these things and they were like, oh my God, what are you doing is so cool. Like, you know, it, it always is going to be, it's, it's so different that you're going to feel like you're missing out on something. And, but at the same time, I had 
this invaluable experience with people that I otherwise may not have had the, the chance or opportunity to learn from. So I think at that time, that's why I never, I really want to go back. But for sure, the whole, the social element of like that part and the, and the being independent in a completely new country or a new city. Interesting. Okay. So no, no regrets, basically. It's like, that was a, no, a great decision in your no life. No regrets. I, I think it's hard. It's hard to paint like what that could have been, right? You, it's the, the whole coulda, woulda, shoulda, like... I could go to college and maybe just not find anything I liked. Had a great time socially, but, you know, who knows? So I think it's very difficult to want to compare that. And I've gotten so, so much from this experience that there's just, yeah, zero regrets. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people who graduate from college would probably have wanted to come back and did what you're doing already but be like a few, Maybe, years, yeah. a few years behind. Um, okay, so my other question is, in the early days when you were part of the founding team at, at Chobe, what was that like? What were you guys doing? Were you really like convinced by the idea? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I came on board, though I say early days, which is true from when we started. The discussion on what the idea would be and how it will be uh, and, and where we would want to take it, like in Singapore at least, was already born. And that was all Arif and Chloe, right? And a lot of it was just about replicating what Open Table had, but maybe doing a little bit more in terms of marketing for the restaurants that we had. So creating like a, a platform both, uh, you know, on the B2B side and the B2C side. So the idea was already there. So when I came into it, the like knowing what we wanted to do, I was sold on that. So, but the early days, I think was about figuring out how far we could push it or what people needed, right? And I think the thing I always say foundation of any great team or any great product that you're going to push out is you really need to have the right team in place. First, you need to all kind of buy in and believe in the vision. And second, you need to be respectful of each other in the sense that you know, everybody's going to have like different ideas and there will be moments where we disagree. But when you reach that consensus, even if you don't believe it in the beginning, but we agree like this is what we're going to do, then you have to kind of go all in as well. And I think that helped a lot. The early days was great because we were like nine restaurants, so we were going to different restaurants and we were just figuring things out. And we didn't feel, at least for me at that time, I didn't feel there was much to lose. These guys, so there's a lot of like experimenting with things. When we first started, we had this, we licensed out a table management system from the UK and before starting to build our own thing because none of us were like, tech guys we were more on the like the front end side of things so you know we had this one system which was a great system but it was a very robust heavy system so we went to a couple of bigger restaurants we tried to start from the top of the pyramid and some of them would love it and some of them would be like this is too much for us we need something simpler so it was also those moments where we were like figuring out like okay what is relevant for our market how do we tweak things to make it relevant for this and i think the early days were great because we for a lot of us we wore like multiple hats so for me i would go out to uh, with Chloe to sales calls and learn about restaurants. And then I would come back and I would program the, the system or, or customize the system for that. So I knew kind of how restaurants more and more, how restaurants want, wanted to do things or how they worked. And then we would sit down and like almost every night after work, we would hit over to this Irish pub right across our office. And we would sit down and just like have a good dinner and talk, uh, talk socially, but also talk about like, okay, how do we want to do this when we're going to launch? So we were a very tight knit team. And I think the early days was a lot about learning and you know, 
putting yourself in situations where you wouldn't be usually. So like a lot of times when we started with the first few restaurants, I would actually host at the restaurants, meaning I would be there three, four nights in a row next to the hostess or next to the manager, watching, observing, teaching them how to use the system as well, because the system is not going to be good unless you are in the mind of the operator. And I think a lot of stuff that we devoted ourselves to early on really helped us build the company that we had today because there was an innate understanding of what we wanted to address. So I think that for me, more than anything, was why I think my I was successful or helped me be successful just later on as well is because I had this very all-rounded sort of uh, training or experience where I was in the mind of sales and operations and marketing and every single... We had to do so many different things and it just enabled me to have a lot more empathy as well for uh, different people and in different roles. And it allowed me later on as well to know when I'm, when I was like, you know, general manager of Singapore, as I climbed the ranks within the company, like I knew this stuff, like someone couldn't bullshit me because I kind of knew what was going on. And it really helped to shape the thought process or the strategy that we had because we had that experience. So the early days were in that moment were great. And there were so many just great moments like socially of us like going out and like having a great time together and I think really building that camaraderie so yeah that's why I always say the team is important because the team needs to allow you to like explore those things the team needs to trust each other and even if you disagree respect each other and it's crucial so the early days were very much going around to restaurants etc how did you guys then grow into the next stage because I know you guys now expanded into Um, multiple countries like not just in Singapore anymore but maybe even just like within right. Singapore, how did you guys get to like the level two, level three, and then into like broader geographical expansion? Yeah, I, I think I think two parts of it. I think if you talk about Singapore itself, we were very selective with the kind of restaurants we went to hit first because we knew those were the most desirable restaurants. And as a result of that, when those restaurants started adopting our technology, you know, people it, it's kind of aspirational in a sense where some other restaurants look up to these restaurants and see what they're doing and try to learn from it. So if you get like stamp of approval from those restaurants, other restaurants come a knocking. Or it was also just because we were very serious about uh, servicing our customers well and building relationships there. We would get a lot of uh, recommendations from other restauranteurs who would talk to uh, someone else and be like, hey, you need to get on Chope, it's great. And I think at some point when you start doing that, you start building you know, a marketplace. And when they see a lot of people going to Chope or like a users uh, or they themselves seeing the importance of being on a platform like that where you can cross-promote, cross-market, or like a one-stop shop for people to, to, to go to when they think about dining, then they realize, okay, that is something that they need to get on. So that was more for Singapore. We had a very supportive board of investors uh, and they would kind of teach us to guide us along and be like, okay, well, if you want to grow, you know, Singapore can't be the only market you're in. You got to see whether this is something that you could replicate in different places. So I think then we started slowly kind of looking to be like, okay, what's an adjacent market or what's a market that could be similar in terms of how vibrant the dining scene is or something somewhere where, you know, technology is slowly being um, introduced to people's everyday lives. Lives. That's how we landed on Hong Kong as the second uh, place. And then later on also to places like Thailand and Indonesia where there was a need. Like, you know, Thailand, the smartphone penetration was insane. Like, you know, I think at that point it was like 2.1 was the, the, the penetration. Where like almost every individual had like two smartphones, which was crazy to me. But yeah, it, and, and I think Siam Paragon was one of the most, at that point with Instagram when it was coming out, the 
top locations, like the most Instagrammed uh, place in, I think it's Asia or maybe even like the world in top five. So these, uh, you know, there was almost a, a shift that was happening in all these countries where they were like leapfrogging certain traditional like developmental paths and then going straight where the younger generation were embracing technology very, very quickly and things were building out. So that's also, I think we, we were trying to look and figure out, okay, like what markets would make sense and also what markets, because Singapore was a core market, where were people going? You know, Singaporeans love Bangkok. <laughs> love Thailand. So that was a market we would be like, okay, well, if we service Singaporeans here, if they go to Bangkok, that's something they could easily use. And so it was more about like, okay, what would be great adjacent markets for us based on our customer base right now? And then we had a lot of business travelers to Indonesia, for example. So that was also something that we thought in Indonesia was just very up and coming as a market, especially with technology and people investing uh, in technology in those markets. So that was something that we felt, okay, that would uh, work for us. And then Shanghai was more because of clients, actually, that we, we expanded to Shanghai because a lot of our clients who were in Hong Kong started having presence in, in Shanghai, or even from Singapore to Shanghai, like the Jumbo Group. And they were just like, hey, guys, we want to use your system there. We want you to come with us there. So a lot of it was also about seeing where the tide kind of took us in terms of what was relevant. So that's kind of how we figured those things out. But it was it was definitely not like a... It wasn't from day one where we sat down and we mapped out this like world domination-esque type plan. It was really taking things, you know, a step at a time and, and, and just making sure we were comfortable and pushing ourselves, of course, but comfortable with the growth. We didn't want to overstretch ourselves to a point where then we wouldn't know how to function. We were also aware that with all the advice and all the help we got, we wanted to make sure that we built something that was you know, at least successful or that we could learn how to replicate as opposed to like stretching yourself too thin. And with all this, since you guys started out in Singapore, when you did your geographical expansion, was it very difficult to localize your brand in a new market? And if so, how did you guys go about doing that? Yeah, I mean, look, it's still a learning experience for us till today, to be honest. Uh, when we started, RF had flown to Hong Kong first for a couple of weeks, kind of sussed it out, talked to a couple of people. I went later on, I think in late 2012, first time just looking through, talking to restaurants. I lived there for two months and just, you know, we had a small sample size of restaurants, had a lot of conversations took our system, placed it in restaurants, and we said, hey, six months free, just start using this, tell us what you think, and kind of getting the word and seeing the feedback on there. So we were just trying to see how people would respond to the systems. And then once things started going well, then we slowly was like, okay, and let's let's do this. And the one thing that we knew from the beginning was a lot of the success we had in Singapore was because we knew the market. We knew what consumers liked because we were consumers ourselves and as we started branching out and becoming bigger we got a lot of like feedback we spoke to a lot of restaurants so we were very much in that groove so in all the the countries we expanded to we also hired local teams that we consulted with from the very beginning so while myself and some other members would like fly there stay there for two three months we would hire there on the ground and try to learn from them because these guys would know what it would appeal to a local user it would it would be silly of me to go in thinking like to either a like force feed you and be like this is what you're gonna like or to assume that i would know what it is so for us i think hiring a local team was huge i would say all our teams at least 80% of them would be local to that country or to that city. And that was very important. I think also 
having some level of giving them quite a bit of autonomy. Of course, there will be certain things that are managed from regional function, but there are certain things like a like marketing campaigns. What do you think would work for you? It's it's really up for you to create and to decide. And I think that's what helped us grow because then people slowly saw like. Okay, this was not just a foreign country coming, a、uh, foreign business coming in and trying to impose certain ideals or impose certain ways of working, but they were trying to embrace the culture a little bit. And I think it it, it took us a while to slowly get there and kind of fine tuning. So it was not just about learning how to market to the people there, but it was also learning whether the technology and the tools were relevant to the operators there as well. And in terms of hiring, you you mentioned that hiring a local team was super important for you guys. Was that difficult、mm. to do when you guys were based in Singapore? We flew down, so it wasn't too bad. But I think in terms of the difficulty was at that point in some places you don't have a brand name for yourself. You're not a Google. You're not an Amazon. You're not a Facebook. You're not one of these guys suddenly coming into those markets. You are a chope, which people are like, huh. Probably never heard of it as well, so I think there was a little bit of difficulty there only because when tech was emerging, especially at the times when we were going into those markets, so twenty twelve, twenty fourteen, you know, it was something that was emerging and that people were slowly getting excited about. But it was something that would also be risky, and I think that people, when they were joining different corporations, are trying to woo like the best. Type of talent to come work for you because you need a very very strong start team that you can rely on. It was difficult. It was difficult to convince people to take that leap of faith just because、uh, of of the brand that you are, which is nothing <laughs> to them in those places. So I think that was that was a difficult thing to do. But we were grateful because you know there were some like networks that we would speak to people who knew people in different markets, and I think that's the one thing I would say about going to. To university or going to college that I didn't get to experience so much, but I got through it through work. Was that you meet so many people from different walks of life that you know work and study and live in different countries, and so we a lot of what we ended up doing was tapping into those networks and being like, hey, do you guys know anybody who would be interested?、Uh, and that helped. So that was something that I think is one great thing about going to college that I didn't get to experience or have. But you know, Arif and and then Chloe and all these guys had like some great contacts. So I think that was one thing, and because that was. The level of trust in them and what they were doing, when people were willing to take the risk or willing to go to bat for us, when they were recommending a friend to be like, "Hey, this is a great place to work," or "This is they have some great ideas." Okay, I think like being able to tap into like an alumni network to kind of build your your brand name, so you're not just like, "Oh, wait, who is what is Chope?" It's like, "Oh, okay, like this guy who graduated from here like、yeah. spoke highly about this company." Okay, we can kind of trust that it's not like. Some rando no name company. It's like something legit. So I think that, that's very interesting. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Okay, so shifting gears a little bit. I know you guys did raise money、mm. for Chope. Just wanted to hear a little bit more about why you guys decided to get investors on board and what that whole experience has been like. Because I know the VC space and VC funding is something that's still a little bit opaque in Asia. Like, there's a lot of resources in、mm. the Western world around like how. VCs work and how you go about fundraising, but in Asia, the、right. information is not as like easily available. So, is there anything、Fair. that you can share、uh, on that front? 
So it was a huge learning experience for me as well, because like going about raising funds was something that I had like zero knowledge about. And so especially in the early days, I wasn't too much involved with any of that. I would show up and like pitch what we were doing, <laughs> maybe a meeting. I would go with RF to these meetings. But in terms of how you would go about getting people interested or getting those meetings were all things that at the beginning I wasn't part of. Right. And I think that the idea of the VCs and the funding that you have, I'll, I'll say two parts of it. First is how you go about like approaching these guys. And then secondly is why we decided to want to get investors in the first place. And so I think the approach was again, you know, when you're fortunate enough to go to like business school, you tend to also know people who want to have opened or will be opening businesses. <laughs> so, you know, having that contact or that network to be able to get introductions really helps. There were, also at that point, I think some government linked VCs and agencies that we found online, that was another thing that was accessible. But the other thing was around just like research, because there were all these companies, Singapore companies, smaller ones, or even Singapore VCs that started uh, investing in overseas companies, and they would have their portfolios online. So what we used to do was we would look for VCs who had invested in companies which had like similar aspirations. So like a marketplace type company and then we would approach them through that and try to get like meetings through LinkedIn and all those ways it was more it was really really very like basic level it was nothing like oh like hire this person to do this no it was really just like seeing what was appropriate and doing your research and then reaching out to those guys why we decided for investors was because there's a lot that you as as someone trying or wanting to start a business when you have an idea there's a lot of you know passion behind it and there's a lot of you tend to get fixated on on the end goal and sometimes you need someone with a fresh pair of eyes to be able to say who has done it before or seen a lot of companies do it whether they succeed and fail sort of give you advice as you go along or tell you like even small things like how should you build your management team or like how many like product segments should you have you know there are so many different pieces of advice that because they had worked at so many companies that were successful or seen companies grow they were able to help to navigate certain things for us so they were almost like your professor who's kind of been through that and kind of giving you like best case scenarios or like advice but at the same time it was about also making sure that we found people that we felt would be like it's almost like a marriage when we were looking for VCs and investors. And sometimes there'll be companies that are fortunate enough to get lots of offers from different people. Or sometimes I also do advise people when they are trying to get money to be like, don't just take the money from the first person that offers because it might not be a good partnership or relationship because sometimes investors have their own agenda as well. They might want you to build a business and they want to cash out in a year or two years while you may want to grow into something that's bigger because you have bigger aspirations for it. Or maybe it's something that they want to like invest in and then later take bits apart because they like certain IP, but then they don't. They want to use that for different like companies. So I think it's also very important to kind of suss out and like have those conversations and have them aligned with your long-term plans they can give you that advice but you have to be the one that makes the final call about how your business is going to be like and how you want it to transform and then they have to decide whether they're in or they're out and i think that's that's a big part it's like these people are, are, are giving you advice or giving you input but they're not the decision makers you still need to have be the decision maker and make that final call so finding investors who are able to give you that autonomy or and don't want to suddenly call you up or send you an email and tell you, oh, I want the product to have this and for you to say yes, those are not the investors that you want. And so you guys made a deliberate decision pretty early on to get VC backing then. 
Yeah, I think we knew, like, you know, at the beginning, there are a number of us who put in our own capital, but we also knew how far that capital could take us. And a lot of them had gone to business school or seen other businesses thrive, and they knew the direction in which, you know, less of me, more of like, you know, kudos to like Arif who knew exactly where, you know, we needed to be and what needed to happen. So he made that call and, you know, I, we all trusted him and, and it turned out well. Mm. And I guess shifting gears a little bit, you know, during this period of time with COVID and all the restaurants, you know, being shut down, et cetera, how has that been for you guys as, as, as a business? Has that been a big impact for you guys? Yeah, it was huge, to be honest. It was, when that happened, it was just like, you, for a second, you question your existence, right? And you question, like, how far, how long will it take to recover? Is that something that, you know, is, people are going to want to, is restaurants that something that people are going to find, like, important after this all over dining out? The Thankfully for us, the answer was yes. People still craved that experience. And now where Singapore is at, we are rebounding quite nicely uh, because I think that's one of the first cities uh, for us that kind of, were able to have things under control and we see that now. But during that time, it was very difficult. And I think at the end of the day, we kind of believed in what we could still offer after this. So we had to make decisions about pivoting. So like during the pandemic, we offered delivery, which is something that we've never done before. And it's a very new business to us, right? And there's so much more involved in terms of lo- like logistics and you're dealing now with like, you know, fresh food. So it was more about what are the ways or how can we leverage these uh, partnerships that we've had? Like in, for example, we had a partnership with, with, with SMRT, which is a taxi company in Singapore that we had worked with before just for marketing related partnership. And then we also had all these great relationships with restaurants who were also suffering because a lot of them had to start doing delivery for the first time. So it was just more about what made the most sense and, and just making like a quick pivot. So that's what we did. We reached out to SMRT and we were like, hey guys, like, is there something we could do here? Because taxi drivers, a lot of them now are going to be out of jobs, right? People are not going out. No one's going to work. So, you know, they're going to be struggling as well. So there's an opportunity there. There's opportunity for us here because we don't have any sort of like logistics providers or, or just like we don't have like a fleet of vehicles waiting to go. Is that something that could be done? And then we went to the restaurants to be like, hey, we have a potential solution for you that's going to be cost effective as well. So that's what we did. And you know, it was pretty successful pivot for us. It was definitely difficult, but it worked out well at the end of the day. Okay, um, I guess just one final question for you. In the Western world, people always say, uh, follow your dreams and eventually the money will come. That's quite Mm. a different statement in Asia where it's much more about financial security over passion. Just wanted to hear your thoughts on this statement. What what do you think between passion and financial security? Yeah, I I think it's important to find, to strike some sort of balance because I do believe a lot of times that if you are passionate about something and you want to make it work, it can work. But at the end of the day, sometimes you meet people who are passionate about things that they maybe don't have the skill set to achieve. And that's the hard truth. And I think that then it becomes like, is it worthwhile? Like I can respect you for going at it and at it and at it, but at what point do you call it like quits? So I think a lot of times it's building yourself up to get to that point. Like, you know, I, I was fortunate enough because when I came into this place, Arif and, and Vivian and all these guys had done some work. They had worked in different uh, big organizations where they could learn from. They, w- they went to business school. They did all these things to gather the knowledge to make sure that then they could have a great shot at accomplishing what they wanted to do. So sometimes it's, I think, about not just going straight for it, 
but like investing the time to make sure that this is something that's viable, A, uh, and B, making sure that you have what it takes to get it done. So sometimes if it means doing the dirty work or going somewhere and starting from the bottom and kind of learning before you branch out and do your own thing. I think that's so important. I think the idea of just going and starting right from scratch and like, you know, pulling a, like a Mark Zuckerberg or whatever that may be like it. Yeah. It sounds so great. Right. Like, and it makes for a great story or in this case, a movie, but like a lot of times I think you just need to build like a strong foundation. You need to know what you're getting yourself into. So Follow your passion, but I think it's also important to have some level of diversification so that if something doesn't work out in your favor, at least you have different things to sort of fall back on. So I, I think it's about it's about taking risks, but not like just like being silly about it. Calculated risk, I guess. Yeah. And just to close off, any last piece of advice for people who are potentially thinking about starting their own business or people who are thinking mm. about joining a startup in Asia, any advice for them or maybe things that you wish you knew before you know embarking on this journey yourself? Yeah, I think support systems are really, really important and not just like outside of work, but at work too. So if you're thinking about starting something, I think finding like, like-minded individuals who have something to bring to the table, that I think is so important. Like pairing yourself up with someone who's like smarter than you or you can learn something from, and, but making sure that you can also bring something to the table. I've talked to so many people who they have like all these great ideas, and, but the people maybe that they work with, the goal or the motivations are very different. So I think it's important to pick those people. So... It's, it's not something I wish I learned, but it's the one thing that I realize is, has been such a big factor on w- why I'm here today still and why the company was where it was, was that whole people element was so important. And it's the one thing that I felt was one of the key tools to our success. So if that's a piece of advice, that would probably be it. Yeah. Got it. Cool. Well, thank you so much for your time today. This has been really great chatting with you and hearing about your story. So really appreciate your time and for being so open and honest with us here. And there you have it. My conversation with the chief business officer of Chope. Here's a couple key takeaways that I got from this conversation. One, When trying to get your parents on board in a decision to embark on an alternative career path, communication is key. Show them that you are learning, growing, and are super passionate about what you do. Also, keep in mind that they grew up in a very different time, where technology and jobs like this didn't really exist. So in the process of your communication, it's also about educating them and helping them understand what this is all about. Joyce from episode two also shared a ton about this. So if you're looking for some very actionable insights on how to go about having that conversation, I highly, highly recommend you go check out episode two. The second thing I picked up from my conversation with Dinesh is the importance of building the right team. It is absolutely crucial to find the right group of people when founding a company. These are the people you'll be spending the majority of your waking hours with. And while you may not always see eye to eye, Mutual respect and being able to move on from disagreements is crucial in moving the business forward. And lastly, get to know your customers and don't be afraid to get your hands dirty. This has been a pretty consistent theme across many of my interviews so far. The best way to grow a business is to understand what your customers want. So don't be shy. Go out there and talk to them. Dinesh did that in the early days by being at the restaurants every single night 
working with the manager, seeing how they utilize the platform, and figuring out what could be improved about their system. All right, that's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Control Alt Career. Check back in two weeks' time for our next episode, where I'll be interviewing Priscilla and hear how she left her corporate job for a career in music. And as a reminder, I'd love it if you could help me fill in the feedback form in the show notes to today's episode. I want to keep creating content that's useful for you, and this will really help guide me to make better and more relevant episodes for you in the future. All right then, see you guys in a couple weeks. 